This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by Blue Manatee. Did you know that when you buy a book from the Blue Manatee Literacy Project, they donate one to a disadvantaged child in Cincinnati? Your favorite children's bookstore in the beautiful neighborhood of Oakley in Cincinnati has a new buy one, give one mission with an even larger inventory from baby books to books for grown-ups. Now a nonprofit, the Blue Manatee Literacy Project donates a new book to a child in need who doesn't already have access to books appropriate for their age range. Since April, they've donated over 11,000 books to children in Cincinnati. With your help, they can donate even more. Visit bluemanatee.org to learn more or head to their storefront at 3094 Madison Road, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45209. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 97. Today on our show, illustrator Lauren Long. When that book published, Tracy and I went to New York and got to follow her entourage. Kelly and Regis, and yeah, it was Regis and Kelly or whatever. She was on that. They talked about the book. Then she went to tape the, the David Letterman show. And then the next night, she was like two nights later or something, she was on Jay Leno. Lauren is known for illustrating books by the likes of Barack Obama, Madonna, and more. He's also written, as well as illustrated, his own series of children's books about a tractor named Otis. We found out how we got those high-profile gigs, where Otis came from, and what TV show character inspired the name of Otis the Tractor. And we learn a whole lot more about illustrating and the book publishing business and all kinds of great stuff. So if you've been liking the podcast, you can support the show uh, via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Lauren Long. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at cincyshirts.com in Cincinnati. But yeah, I think what you, you guys are doing is really cool and unique and fun. For sense, of, I like the, the sense of pride that you guys show. Yeah, See, there you go. and there's not a lot of local content. There's more and more every day. It seems like, but uh, you know, like, like social media and everything is in these short little spurts, and you really don't get the feel of anything. It's just like you know, half second here and there while you're scrolling. Right. right. So this gives so people a chance board. to really. Uh, you know, whether they're at work or mm-hmm. in their car or, or whatever. But So I've listened to some of my favorites have been, I love the brewery ones. Um, yeah. It seems like the Listerman and the oh. Braxton uh, and uh, the, I uh, forget her name, but the, the mixologist. Oh, Molly. Uh, Molly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the... Uh, I love also like your your taste of Belgium, your uh, your haunt, you know the haunted Cincinnati. Those are obviously yeah. popular. 
Heck yeah, so you, yeah. you have been listening. There you go. I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean I've, I've, I've told friends, too. It's like, you know. Yeah, spread the word. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, I mean, around 10,000 weekly listens. Really? Yep. So, uh, Jim Scott I liked. Jim Scott. Uh, you know, Eddie Fingers I just recently listened to. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. uh, yeah, we got to put together a best of for yeah, uh, 2019. So, yeah, we were trying to, we were just talking about that this morning. Yep. Oh, what were you saying? Oh, yeah, Pat Barry. Pat Barry. Pat, Pat Barry was a good episode. I haven't listened to that one yet. Oh, okay. my God. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah, that guy. He's talking about, like, hanging out Rodney Dangerfield. Right. And, yeah. Uh, just all these all Flying these Atlantic random. City and winning $20,000. And, oh, it's crazy. He called... <laughs> He calls Jeff Ruby <laughs> yeah. uh, during the pot because Josh is trying to get Ru- Jeff Ruby on yeah. since we started. Right. And so, Pat, I'll give him a call. So, while, right on while we're yeah. recording, he calls and leaves a voicemail for Jeff Ruby and says he should yeah. do our show. So, we're going to make you call Madonna. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Chris, Chris Payne was good. I thought the, the uh, I can't pronounce his name, but the, the gentleman who does the sculptures. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Just Yeah. 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 I know, it's like so many people are doing cool stuff in Cincinnati that, you know, my, people might not even know right. exist. So, and I think you kind of fall in that category. Well, thanks. With, uh, I mean, yeah, it's like... I got a few ideas for you before I leave. I'll, I'll throw them out for what it's worth. Right you know? on. Oh, man, uh, yeah. We'd love tell to me your, your guys, your history, Darren. So we, we met years ago. Yeah, I was, I was a little gopher for... For Chris Payne, mm-hmm. um, I just go hang out at his studio once a week. I you know, did this, that too. <laughs> this was after I graduated school, yeah. and you know I had a little ego and whatnot, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I would take my little paintings in, and you know I'd run his errands and do whatever. Yeah, and then he'd just sit there and just trash all my artwork, and I was like, oh man. <laughs> but I was like, I, I give him credit because I was like, man, I think I learned more from him in just yeah. you know like the yeah. year once a week that right. I hung out with him um, then like you know four years of art school but yeah, yeah I think from doing that I think you were in a bind once and yeah you came over and helped a little yeah, yeah. like matted some uh, yeah I think you flapped drawings for me or something that was a big help but I remember you were getting into you were talking about doing some comedy yeah so now there you've you go. you've gone there well that from doing doing stand up then that's when I met uh, my business partner Josh Need. Yeah. So he knew I had an art background and right. was funny, and you know he yeah. he was on the road headlining all over the country at that point. So yeah. that's when he said, "Hey, well, let's." He's like, "My buddy can make us a website for 150 bucks." He's like, "Let's just throw some t-shirts up there, and if they yeah. sell, we'll get them printed." And, and he knew that you know he was friends with a lot of comedians, and they always sell t-shirts after their mm-hmm. their gigs and whatnot. So. I don't know. Yeah, we were young and stupid, and we're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's great. And what's the connection with how you got involved with this? Oh, I got mixed up in this. Yeah, well, that's a weird story. Yeah. So yeah, uh, he's been I, around. A I interviewed I interviewed Josh because I work for City Beat, and uh, so I interviewed just being a comedian. Yeah. And one time, I interviewed he's like, "Hey, I'm selling T-shirts now. It's called Look at Me Shirts." So I put that in the article. Yeah. Uh, and then it turns out uh, these two bought a got a storefront in Bellevue. And I said, so I pitched an idea to Cincy Magazine, the magazine for Cincinnati business. Right, um, right. And said, uh, hey, I know these guys have a t-shirt company, and we should do an article on them. And they said, sure. 
So I went out and talked to them, and then later I told Josh, I said, hey, if you ever want to do this for, like, Cleveland, let me and my wife know. We could come up with all kinds of old designs for you. Because so you about, grew up in Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So about six months, maybe a year later, I got an email. We're starting a, a sister site uh, called Home Shirts, and we're going to have, like, six different cities, and we're going to have comedians run them in different cities, but we want you and your wife to do Cleveland. Really? So we did all the Cleveland stuff, and, of course, none of the comedians did anything in the other cities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and only Cleveland yeah, sold we, shirts. We and got some... Uh, St. Louis and Philadelphia, they sold shirts by accident when something big happened. Right. But we right. actually put effort into it. Yeah. And uh, the whole family's mixed up in it now. We, um, yeah. He, uh, I think it was the second year of Bunbury. Yeah. And I was driving around and I got a call from him. He's like, two people flaked out on me. You want to come and make 10 bucks an hour selling shirts? I'm like, sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. So and now the, all the, my daughters both work for the company and my wow. wife does events. Yeah. So yeah. Suck them all in. Yep. Is it you? It's PF? Yep. Did you, are you the one that worked for um, Burbank and, or worked yeah. at W? Yeah, so yep. that, yeah, I listened to the Mo Egger one too. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we had Doc Wolf in here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to that one yet. That's a good one. There's some good stuff there. We're trying to get I actual could, Gary on. Um, that's gonna, yeah. In fact, I, I need to touch base with him. Actual Gary. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He's well, keen, but, uh, we just have to go to him. Yeah, so, sure. There sure. you go. Field trip. We got to get the remote going so we can all yep. just stay home and right at the kitchen table and <laughs> right. FaceTime these things in, phone yeah. them in. Huh. That's no. one thing I I think on your you know far be it for me to give advice, but uh, it seems like you're it would be nice to have a profile on each of you that are the voices behind this podcast. My wife suggested yeah. that too, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Great minds. There you well, go. Maybe, you know, yeah, depending on. Just because you've got three voices sometimes. Does Josh yeah. do it sometimes? Yeah, yeah, he'll be in. He's doing uh, a couple more this afternoon. But yeah, I know it, it takes so much time, too. And like we're not monetizing this thing. Right. And right. Uh, so it's <laughs> like we can be here when... But we can if you want it. We, uh, all, we all try. Yeah, you can just Venmo. If you want to uh, run an ad. Yeah. That, that, the, the front spot there that's taken up by our, currently by our partners is, is, is welcome to anybody if anybody wants it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Since in a box at a couple. Yeah. Thank you to them. Anyway. But yeah, there's a man who talks about live streaming and YouTube and... Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, well, it all takes time and energy, and right. ultimately money. Right. Exactly. So right now we're just, man, we're almost hundred episodes in. What yeah. is this? This is probably ninety six or seven. Man, I can tell you actually. That's awesome. Well, we're here with Lauren Long today, local artist. You from Cincinnati? No, no, from uh, born in Missouri, raised oh. in Lexington, Kentucky. All right. So, so you don't do definitely. the whole high school thing either. I'm not from no, here originally, so. No, I went to high school in uh, Lexington. Right on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm guessing art school from there, or? Uh, <clears throat> no, I went to the University of Kentucky. Okay. So I was not someone who knew they wanted to be an artist growing up. My, you know, I was someone who uh, loved art and and drew and ended up thinking that I was better at that than most other things, but um, went didn't you know didn't have artists in the family or friends or anything so i just went to the university of kentucky majored in about five different things i was in communications i was in um uh architecture for a while by the end of my college career i had taken almost all of the university of kentucky's art electives so in my junior year i had a graphic design teacher by the name of mr foose Jim Foose, and he kept calling me an illustrator. 
So I was like, finally, what, what do you, uh, why do you call me an illustrator? And he said, well, I give assignments for design, graphic design assignments. And every time you turn in a drawing or a painting and, um, because that's an illustrator, I'm like, you know, Norman Rockwell. And he, he's like, yeah. But then he started introducing me to contemporary illustrators that were actually working in the day. And, um, I started thinking, yeah, I'm what time period is this? This would have been, um, the mid eighties, okay. mid to late eighties. So, you know, yeah, definitely people like Mark English and even Gary Kelly back then and yeah. um, Fuchs and all those, you know, the same, that same school of people in a way that, that Chris Payne, you know, one of your other uh, guests yeah. talked about. So, and then I, and then I just was like, then you know, I graduated from the University of Kentucky with a, basically a bachelor degree in graphic design and I'm like, not prepared to get a job as a freelance illustrator. So I went to art school for one year at the American Academy of Art in Chicago. I had a cousin that lived up there that I could, you know, that could help me out a little bit. And then took a job at Gibson Greeting Cards right out of there because it was expensive. And um, Gibson brought me to Cincinnati and uh, it, it felt like home. I also interviewed for Hallmark and uh, had a good, good lead on that. And then Gibson gave me an offer and uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of like home. You know, Lexington is right down the road, and I'm a lifelong, you know, Reds fan. And Yeah. So Not I just, too close to mom and dad. Yeah, it felt regional, <laughs> you know. So I, I I just felt like it suited me, and and I met my wife there at Gibson Greetings. So nice. my whole adult life now has been in Cincinnati. And they're, they're not around anymore, right? Or what, what happened to them? By American Greetings. There you go. Yeah. Cleveland. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So they they don't have offices or anything here anymore. No, nothing. I I, uh, I I was there just under four years. So I left to be become a freelance illustrator before they essentially got bought by American Greetings. Okay. It was a great... At, at the time, I didn't realize what a wonderful uh, training that was for me. You know, because I was, you know, just a young... Yeah. something kid and uh but i realize now those four years are really instrumental and i have still have a lot of good people that i really value friendships um we don't get together enough but from that four-year experience you know at gibson greetings so what works i mean just standard yeah. greeting cards were they like yeah man. hey we need birthday cards today we need yeah well you'd get a, a blue sheet and uh, it would be like uh, a Father's Day card, or sometimes the verse would be there if it was a humorous card. But I was I was a little bit more traditional painter and artist, so I would get like you know the still life setup for Father's Day or, or a, a little boy's birthday, and or I'd I'd paint a sailboat for a sympathy card or or a beach scene or or something like that. So. Um, so you weren't phoning it in, just like trying to whip these things out? As- no, I was terrible. I, 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 partly why I wasn't all that valuable, I think, because I would <laughs> I would spend too much time making a painting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I should like have been churning Two cards out. a week or something? Yeah. That was, that's the only, that's the only corporate real illustration job I've ever had. Left there to freelance, got married to Tracy, my wife. She was in corporate accounting at Gibson. And yeah, so that was a barrier I had to, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. climb through or climb over. But uh, yeah, 
I mean, so you just can't just start freelancing. Like, how's that work? I mean, you, no. Yeah. Just like, hey, I'm a freelancer. No, you're unemployed. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, exactly. at point, it's no. like it's like so hard to get that Rolodex of people that are they'll call you once, but then you know, getting call you again and again, and so much yeah. competition. It's like how uh, how'd you how'd you get off your uh, off your feet there? Well, I I didn't leave Gibson uh, until I had. A, had accumulated some freelance work and I had a uh, an illustration rep in Indianapolis at the time who had started getting me jobs and I, I mean I, I was working at Gibson and sometimes on my lunch break I'd, I'd go down the street to fax sketches you know that's when we faxed sketches yeah. yep. and, uh, and then I would come back and then I'd spend all night some nights working and that's when I went over that's when I started working a little bit and and getting to know Chris Payne, he same same as you, Darren. He would uh, he would let me. I took a class of his at the, at Miami University at night, and he's just such a an encouraging force in my young illustration career because he encouraged me and and uh, and he let me help him work at nights. And I'd I'd work I'd go over there sometimes at 10 p.m. and stay till around three in the morning helping him with. Wow. Jobs. And I thought that's the life I wanted because it was so exciting. He was working on Sports Illustrated and Time Magazine and all those, you know. And he's right here in Cincinnati. Well, I was right here in Cincinnati. And so eventually, after I left Gibson, I started um, doing editorial illustration. And like you said, there's not enough work for the kind of art that I do in Cincinnati. So I was... Well, City Beat will pay you fifty bucks for an yeah, illustration. Yeah, exactly. So you you could do a job. I do a job for Cincinnati Inquirer, um, and that was a big deal for me as a young guy, as a young illustrator. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget Ron Huff used to be the uh, uh, creative director, art director at Cincinnati Inquirer. I did maybe a handful of jobs, but they were two hundred bucks or four hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Once then, a month or once a quarter. Yeah. So then I would do, um, and then I started entering the national juried exhibits like Society of Illustrators and Communication Arts Magazine and Print Regional you know, Design Annual, and those are national things. So, I mean, I remember this, this was a big deal going back. I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I would enter the Society of Illustrators in New York and not get in for like six years in a row and it would just kill me it was brutal because i i wanted to be a national illustrator i wanted this was this was my career so i had the i had the bug for it so and i was and i was driven and i wouldn't get in and i would look at the annuals and i would this is a common thing in, in all walks of life i would look at the annuals and be like okay that's brilliant but you know why am i not getting in yeah you know I'm on the outside going in, and why am I not getting in? Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm, some of my stuff is good enough to get in. And so, I mean, there were, I would go through depression, you know, when I would get, wouldn't get in. And finally I got in and started getting traction and started doing work for Sports Illustrated because I have a, uh, a little bit of an American regionalist style in my work. It re- that was a changing point for me as a young illustrator, just going from doing nice work to having a style. And and I 
pretty much straight up let those American regionalist painters, the WPA muralists, yeah. artists that, you know, in the first half of what the 20th century um, painters like Thomas Hart Benton, Grant Wood, John Stuart Curry, um, Harper or Hopper, Hop, yeah, Hopper, um, and those some of those Ashcan painters, and you know, so George Bellows and Love so Hopper, man, yeah, oh man, just beautiful. And and there what I go. what I loved about their work is uh, they weren't Instagram up. Oh, that's that's mine. That's from one of my recent books. Uh, I, I yeah, I'm on Instagram, but I got to work on being a little better at it. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so when I let that that movement sort of seep, in, seep into my work it, all of a sudden like sports illustrated called my first job for sports illustrated was doing a project on walter hagan the uh the famous golfer from like 1915 oh, yeah. or something huh. and so it was kind of like okay and then time magazine called because they felt that americana thing and had me do some projects and um it was very exciting but after a time, um, it was a real rat race, and and uh, and my temperament is a little different than those illustrators that are cranking out pieces weekly and doing top notch work like like Chris Payne. Um, he can do that, and his, you know his 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 temperament, his intellect, his personality suits suits that kind of work, and mine didn't. Yeah, he's so, pretty high strung. So, yeah, so, <laughs> like, so but but I mean that as a compliment. But I'm a, like, it would freak me out to the point where I couldn't do my best work, and then publishers started calling me to do um, to do YA young adult book covers. So I would, I loved that because I would, um, I would get a stack of paper that was a yet to be published novel, and my job was to make the cover one image that was going to sell that book. And I loved that, that, uh, loved reading the, the manuscripts and I loved coming up with a few ideas that could be like the, the movie poster of the book, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a lot of, a lot of pressure though, too. Cause it's like, oh, you know, are you comprehending the same thing that the author intended or this or that, or was mm-hmm. that, so was that pretty easy for you or would you just have any struggles fighting art directors and whatnot or yeah getting, uh, or is everybody kind of like oh no you're the artist just do it no it, <laughs> it's no. never like that yeah to be honest with you <laughs> not not none of it's none of it is ever really easy although sometimes some are more smooth than others but but i i felt i loved the challenge and the thing that's cool about children's publishing by the way is just the freedom that's involved and I get the question a lot, you know, this thing, it's going to be a children's picture book. How much are people telling you what to create? And no one's telling me anything. They're handing me a, a manuscript. Sometimes it's a very little text and sometimes it's more text, but it's like, then I just get to be the film director of the whole book, the whole movie. Wow. Yeah. So, so you start out with the covers and then, um, so what was your first full, fully illustrated book? So the first one was a book called I Dream of Trains, and it was a Simon & Schuster project. And uh, that editor, Kevin Lewis, that you, you remember all these things, that was 2003. I was, I was almost 40 by the time I did my first picture book. So I did about, 
good 12, 15 years of, you know, just the rat race of illustration. You know, my wife, Tracy was in accounting, you know, she was our, uh, stable income. I don't yeah. mind, I don't mind telling you, um, <laughs> the first 10, 15 years, but, um, then I got a job for a book called I dream of trains. And I had done a book cover for a book called Miles song, which was, a uh, about a little boy who escaped through the underground railroad. So I had him perched on a little hillside on the book cover of this book. Alice McGill was the author. And that was one of those where I just made the book cover. It's a one and done type of illustration gig. And so the, you know, they're all looking at everybody else. So the Simon and Schuster editor saw the Houghton Mifflin book cover that I did. And he calls out of the blue, you know, he didn't know if I was a man, a woman, you know, Lauren Long, who's this person? Where is she or he? So that's what I, in a way, it's what I love about illustration, the art world. I mean, on some level, you know, they don't know who you, and then you, then you get into it and things change. But in the beginning, nobody knew, knew who I was. That's when Madonna's publisher. Yeah, uh, let's had, get to Madonna. But he had seen, <laughs> he a guy named Nicholas Calloway had seen my work in some of the, the juried exhibits. He hadn't seen I Dream of Trains because it, it was just in the back. It was just, I was working on it. And he called, and it's, at the time I had an illustration rep in New York, and um, he called and had this big confidential project. And I just decided, after working on I Dream of Trains, I just decided, I love, who would have thought? I, I think I found what I want to do the rest of my life. I love doing art. Um, for children's picture books, you know, it's a really, it's a, in, at the time I, it, it, you know, a lot of my colleagues, they wanted to do that since they were nine, 10 years old, but it found me in a way. And I just love this, the story telling quality. It's, it's not even about the art. It's about the art of the picture book. That's why you can have big selling books that maybe don't have the most you know, genius art in them, but the, but the combination of the words and the art, it's like, I used to look down my nose at certain art in the, the field until I realized it's more than just being a, a great, you know, a good artist, you know, can yeah. you, can your art work with that text? You know, that's why you can have uh, really simple um, line art or cartoon art or, digital art and if it works with that text it doesn't matter you know it's still tough to swallow though like if you yeah. see someone scribbling and they got like <laughs> coddle coddle ward or yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like i don't yeah. know my, my kids have plenty of books where i'm just like oh no. my gosh like this is all it took i know like I even know. even with like the with the text being so uh yeah. so simple a uh, brian regan joke where he's talking about the <laughs> clock yeah, <laughs> turn the page. TikTok, right? <laughs> no, I, know. I, hear, I like, hear you. Believe I get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I but that's do. the stuff that works. Like you know, that's what resonates with 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 I mean, kids. Like yeah, you know, some they're some, not for adults. <laughs> some artists in children's literature. Yeah, some artists spend three weeks doing their their book, perhaps, or or three months. I spend a good six or seven months. Wow. Yeah, you know, just on the art. Do you? Do you put it away and then come back to it, or is that is that a start to finish your? No, nah, that's you got a start one project to you're working on. One and at a time, one book at a time. 
Yeah, I usually have two or three and books in the works. Knock on wood. So you just paint on illustration board? Yeah, I started out painting on canvas, like the early books. Like the Madonna book I did on illustration board. So what was the name of that book? It, it, Mr. Peabody's Apples. Okay, it's not it's not the sex book. You didn't have anything. <laughs> no, no, but it was by the same publisher. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, that was. Uh, Don't mix up those mailings. That's right. awesome. It was by the same publisher. So you just went through the publisher and Madonna slapped her name on it, or no, 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 any... no. The the first, um, I mean, I got the manuscript. She had written five stories, and uh, Mr. Peabody's Apples was to be the second one published. Uh, yeah, it was a great, great experience. I mean, you know, I've kind of, in a way, I've kind of lived through it. I, I learned very quickly that publishers love publishing celebrity books. Yeah. Um, but the field of children's literature doesn't necessarily always respect those books and the world of, oh, uh, you, you know. Were you a sellout because you did that? Well, I, you know, I... I mean, I, I don't, I mean, perhaps <laughs> some people might have thought, uh, I don't think anybody yeah, holds it no against way. me, but you know, Hey, you know, who could, who could judge someone trying to make a living making pictures oh, in, totally. their, in their basement? And yeah. when you got that call, were you just like, okay, was that the first time where you're like, I made it? That's no. what I'm still waiting on is like, when is that, that, when is that satisfaction? Yeah, no, in? I'm still waiting for that. You haven't got it yet either. I think, uh, uh I think that that's one. The demons. That's the artistic demons. That one was the first time I realized that every, you know, a, a great many people will see my, what I'm doing, you know, and it was real. I was nervous in, in the beginning, but I had already illustrated for, for Forbes and time. And so I'd already gotten over those jitters. All you can do is when, you know, nobody's there in the room with you making the art. So yeah, all you can do is do what TMZ you do. wasn't tapping on your window. no. no. <laughs> So, so when that book was released, was was your phone ringing off the hook? Was, or I mean, did you get any, you know, attention more than more than normal? Or oh yeah, or was it one of those things where it's just like ah, no one really cares, and it's no. off to the side and onto the next one? No, I mean, you know, the thing about our field is teachers, librarians, booksellers, uh, publishers know who you are, but you know, somebody who lives three doors down may not know who you are. It's not that kind of name recognition or anything like that, but pretty much, you know, all the New York publishers knew who I was when I illustrated that book because everybody was talking about it. And the best thing it did for me, looking back on it, is I had already started publishing with two publishers, Penguin and Simon and & Schuster, and those editors and peep folks um, offered me more books, so... I was for the first time in my in my freelance illustration career I had I had about four or five years of work lined up and oh wow and some st stability and so they waited on you huh you didn't have to turn stuff down no you have to or... turn stuff down but um y you know like they were open ended contracts um, so a five book deal from one publisher and a five book deal from another publisher which I wouldn't do now but at the time I really was like trying to make my way yeah and i needed that stability so you wouldn't take a five book deal now i might i mean if it was good if anybody's listening yeah um, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um i might but it but you don't want to also tie yourself down to that 
Yeah. So I, I, I usually do one or two books at a time now. Knock again, knock on wood that, uh, you know, yeah. who knows what the future holds, but have you ever had the, the itch to write your own children's book? Yeah. Yeah. The one you're looking at there, little tree. Oh, you've done this one, huh? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so the Otis books, Otis is my, uh, is my character. Um, it's so little tree is a book I wrote as well. Here's a couple. There's six hardcover Otis stories. Oh, nice. And, uh, Otis is a little tractor and it's probably my biggest, um, probably my biggest Pick of thing. This. A lot of people, um, in the f- field know, I think, know, know me from Otis the tractor. So this is an example of me first illustrating other people's like the little engine that could was a big break for me. I don't mean to make okay. this sound like a sales. You didn't write anymore. that story. No, no I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't live in 1910. Dang, we need to get that but, guy. Uh, on. Yeah, this book was first published. Little Engine That Could was first published in uh, 1930, and then the one most of us grew up with was published in 1954 with a different artist, and then mine was published in 2005 with Philomel Penguin. So there's a lot of history behind the the Little Engine That Could. That was a that probably after the Madonna book. This was my biggest break, and to this day, it's probably still one of my bigger selling books. Yeah, yeah, and and again, very I'm very blessed and fortunate that I was able to be right here in Cincinnati and get these kinds of opportunities. Yeah, you're not paying that New York rent. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so I mean, just great. In other words, do books that had a high enough profile. Like it's not people. People may appreciate my art in the little engine that could, but it's the little engine that could. So yeah. people are going to buy it. Otis was was my biggest thing because um, it was the first time that I got on the New York Times list because something I wrote and illustrated. Like this was a new, number one New York Times best, uh, best number one New York Times bestseller. Little engine that could was Madonna's book. Of course, was number one for weeks, months. Because she was Madonna, she could go on David Letterman and talk about it. Yeah. And did she do that though? She's got to talk yeah. about Madonna, not about yeah. her book. Oh, you yeah. want to talk about her book? You kidding me? If they, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she, yeah, they, they. When that book published, Tracy and I went to New York and got to follow her entourage, and <laughs> uh, and she was on. Uh, I saw Kelly. the blonde ambition tour. I'd like to be on that entourage. Man. Yeah, Kelly and Regis, and yeah, it was Regis and Kelly or whatever. She was on that. They talked about the book. I don't have it with me. Um, and then, then she went to tape the the David Letterman show. And then the next night, she was like two nights later or something. She was on Jay Leno. So, but they talked about the book. They didn't. They didn't spend much time talking about me. <laughs> they talked about the book. So that's how they sell. But but this is my 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 biggest achievement because it's something I wrote and illustrated. And, yeah, and, and you're like I can do this. And this well, thing was you on. You have to the, pitch that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my. What was that like? So, it's just like your guys' work. I mean, um, no, it's not like our work. But, but there's no, <laughs> but there's no, uh, there's no magic thing, you know, like solution to this. I mean, people always think it's who you know, and you know, I mean, if you'd have seen me as a Lexington, Kentucky kid, I liked baseball, and, you know. But my point for saying that is, yeah, I just. So I did a decent job on The Little Engine That Could and a book called The Day the Animals Came with Penguin. And those are right after Madonna's book. 
And then my editor was like, do you have any ideas of your own? And I had uh, kind of my, my, my wife, Tracy, with my two sons, who are now one's in college, one's out of college. They always made up stories just on the way back and forth for school or daycare or whatever. And one of them was about a little tractor call and they called it little green Samuel. And the story was never told the same way twice. The story was about the, the farmer's son and the tractor, the friendship and the tractor does save a calf. And when my editor asked me that, I'm like, you know, I've, I've been kicking around this idea about a, a tractor and I worked on Lexington, Kentucky horse farms. So we drove an old Ford tractor that had the front end that looked a little bit like this, but it had two wheels on the front. And I just made up this, this idea. I took their story, took the boy friendship away and added the calf and then brought in the games they play and named him Otis. Otis after Andy Griffith, you know. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought Otis was a, I didn't want a green tractor. And I'm thinking, what would be a great name for a, a tractor who loves, he works hard, he plays hard, he loves, yeah. he's not very unselfish. He likes oats. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I was just thinking Otis Campbell from the Andy Griffith show and, Nice. Despite him being, you know, having shortcomings yes. on the on the show, I thought the name would work. So, what, yeah. the, when you're doing the one for like Madonna, does she have a lot of notes for you? Does she, does it, or no, really? Yeah, I mean, uh, does she have any like any like if yeah. the star say I would just like this picture and this part page that looking to be him doing this, or she just does the text and off you go? Yeah, gives gives us the text um, on that one. Again, that was I was very I was very new to the field on that one, and she was such a famous person. There was a little bit of a, a competition, and I didn't realize it until after the fact. But um, they said she wants to see how you'll portray the character, like the main character, Mister Peabody, and and there there was another character, Billy Little, in the book. And the publisher said we want you to do one painting, and if you want, you can do a few sketches, but one painting. That'll get you the job. Uh, and they, and he said, I remember him saying, uh, and it was up in New York, and I remember him saying, but she's going to want to see a close-up of Mr. Peabody. And that's just a hint. And I said, and I, I was on the plane flying back to Cincinnati, and I was thinking, crap, I didn't realize this was a competition. You know, in other words, I don't have the job yet. Yeah. And How many other artists... Yeah, you know, and, and you don't even know. yeah, I didn't even know, and they wouldn't tell me. Chris Payne's home they, working they, on yeah, his yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, so I was like, you know what? I know, I know what's going to get me this job, and I had an image of Mr. Peabody on top of the bleachers with the rolling landscape behind in my head. I went home and did a sketch for that, and made that painting, and inspired, and I sh I sent it to him. And they call me back like a week later or whatever, when finally Madonna could look at it. And they said, the job's yours. And that, that painting I did didn't have a close-up of Mr. Peabody at all. But it basically sold the book. And it ended up being a, just as is a two-page spread on the inside. And they used it on the cover, too. So it was like, boom, right there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, That's pretty crazy. So you went against their judgment and made the cover. 
I did. Um, I did for safety measure do a few sketches, little sketches of character sketches to show him what what my Mister Peabody would look like. Wow. But I definitely, you know, sometimes you just. It was a rare moment of gunslinging, you know, like where you feel confident, even though you, you have no reason to be, you know. Yeah. It's like I just felt like I can't. Lo- what have I got to lose? You know, Man. I never, I never signed up to illustrate a book by this famous person. And then what I didn't realize is, again, there, there are some. That was a controversial book. A lot of people didn't like the idea that she was writing books. Well, of course, anything they get mad about. So, what about a reference? I mean, is this stuff out of your head? Or are you studying photos? Do you do like? I keep bringing up Chris Payne, but you know his yeah. he takes photos of mm-hmm. every little detail, and yeah. yours is you know more of a stylized. Mine's more stylized. Uh, like for example, that but it's image. still real. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, you're not making this stuff up. I like think. I'm, I'm not. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm not looking. There's no figure, and 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 I learned a lot from those illustrators like Chris and those guys. Um, but that figure, there's no. There, there are figures in my Otis books and, you know, the president's book, but I'm not, I don't have a photograph of these two figures. I'm just drawing them, you know, just like that one, the lighting on that, that, you know, I'm not looking at a photograph. I'm just drawing it and, and, and it's coming. Just make it feel right. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no photo reference of a guy in overalls, you know? And I feel like on some level, at least it suits my style. You know, but you can see that the real there's a stylization and a simplification. Um, but you know, like there's no photo of a calf with that lighting, or a duck, or a horse even. But I I do occasionally look at horses, or like I have some model horses like that are like collectibles that I'll sometimes look at in di- different angles when I'm drawing. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like if I'm like right now, I'm working on a book that has a lot of construction machinery in it. You know, I need to look what, at what a digger looks like or an excavator looks like. Um, but then I try as much as I can to just draw it, um, s- simplify it, you know. Like, I've never really looked at that many tractors to draw Otis. You know, it's a simplification. It's an essence. Just a memory from your childhood, huh? With the Yeah. I mean, and like I said... I mean, I'll, I'll look at barns if I'm going to draw a barn, but, you know, typically there's not just one picture of a barn that I'm using. That'd be way too um, restricting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I forgot you did one for Barack Obama. Yeah, yeah. So that was another um, wonderful uh, opportunity. That's an example of needing to do likenesses. So in my books, I don't have to do likenesses, you know, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this w- featured, you know, like 13 innovators of, you know, American history, like Albert Einstein and um, Jackie Robinson and everyone from... Oh, you've uh, got their dog Keller. in Keller, yeah. <laughs> and that's an interesting thing. Um, of course, I didn't... Th- this was... he. So Barack Obama wrote this this uh, inspirational sort of letter to his daughters when he was a senator in Chicago, from what I understand, and uh, uh, about the time that he wrote his best-selling novels. Before he became president of the United States, uh, they 
Knopf, which is a random house imprint, had this manuscript for a picture book. But for whatever reason, they waited till he became president to publish it. And let's see, he was president in 2008, so they published this in 2010. And uh, I remember doing the art for it, not knowing... When, usually when you do a book, you have a good idea of its publication date. But on this one, they didn't. They didn't know because he was president of the United States. I had no contact with him um, until after the book came out. But um, it was great. It was a cool experience, you know. So they, you met him when he was still a senator? No, he was, was he was president. Oh, yeah. was it, oh, it, published okay. in, it published in 2010. So I met him, okay. uh, I met him in in 2011 after okay. the book published they had had it, it's where was crazy. that Where was it? It, it was in the oval office it was really oh, yeah i have photos wow yeah it was it was cool man it hey, was hey lauren you want to come to Washington, no DC? no it was that they said they said <laughs> we can't guarantee anything random house great great people again this book uh, number one bestseller you know big selling book still written by the president of the United States, published while he was in office by, you know, arguably the most historic president we'll ever have. Yeah, that's insane. And he, he, uh, this is what I tell kids. It's like, you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. You never know who's seeing the work you do. Because I'm in Cincinnati making art for books and the president... The, the senator Obama and his wife Michelle were read like many parents. Hopefully, were reading books to their to to their daughters Malia and Sasha. And the way I've been told, they had a couple of my books that they read. One of them was Drummer Boy, and that was another book that probably the first book I wrote. I don't have it here, but. Okay wrote and illustrated and so when it came time to choose someone to illustrate their book and again this is the way i've been told they didn't just choose me out of the you know they they were submitted idea they were submitted a bunch of of books you know and a bunch of working illustrators in the field and the family the first family did choose me is the way I understand it, and I and I don't want to misrepresent wow. the thing, but uh, that's the way the publisher has represented it to me. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're taking up quite a bit of real estate at Barnes and Noble and anywhere you can get books, huh? Yeah, you know that's a crazy thing. It's you do all these books. I've done, I guess, over twenty books now, and sometimes you could still go into a bookstore and they're either out of your book or or they don't have it in or or you know or whatever. Um, and you march up to the counter and say, <laughs> throw a fit. God! Yeah. Do, like, other artists contact you? Like, you know, well, not, I don't like Madonna as a musician, obviously, but to do album covers, even though we don't have albums anymore, or but things like, yeah. things like other projects, posters, that sort of affair? Yeah, I'll get that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah I, not as much these days. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much settled into my uh, children's publishing yeah, go with what works. Yeah, yeah. For the it was such a it was such a rat race. I mean, I would get a job, a call from from for example, Sports Illustrated, and it'd be like a Tuesday night. And if the Knicks win the game tonight against San Antonio, this is the art director talking. I I need your sketches Thursday morning. It's Tuesday night. 
and if the Knicks lose, you got till Monday. And <laughs> uh, and I was just like, you know, I didn't know they were playing tonight, you know, and I'm and it would really it just throw me into too much stress and anxiety, and and I just it was hard. I mean, it was exciting because my work would be on a national magazine. But this suits my these these deadlines are are a year away, six months away, and you can really you oh, know I it see. suits me. So when I first started doing children's publishing, I I just said how I wonder if I can o- make a living only doing this and turn down everything else. And I turn down everything else unless it's something really interesting, you know, something fun. Like designing a shirt, a Cincy shirt. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. uh, You know, something fun. Like, um, (laughs) I've done a little bit of work for graders recently. Oh, yeah. Was your Fiona, I saw your Fiona, and I'm like, ah. (laughs) I was like, immediately, yeah, ours is kind of tucked behind the uh, the sign there. And I love that. But But, uh, see that, but that's fun. Oh, but yours is so, like, feminine and just the whole character of her. When they released that, I was like, dang it, that should have been our shirt. I should have looked you up first. Yeah. No, no. We'll have to do something. But, uh, is there someone you want to get a call from? Like, um, is there a band or an artist you'd be like, hey, we really... Oh, I would love to do... Uh, for a time, I submitted uh, my story uh, story to Bruce Springsteen to oh, okay. for him to do uh, a song about... Um, and the crazy thing is, my editor at Penguin at the time knew his... knew somebody that knew somebody. So, you know, you're sitting here in Cincinnati thinking that's a pipe dream. But all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe it's not. You know, I would love to uh, uh, do a project with uh, Bono from U2. (laughs) But but I don't really think too much about that. I mean, I just I'm doing my own work and. I mean, yeah. Space, Girl, with Space Girl worked with Bono. Maybe she can make that connection. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lauren, Lauren yeah. Worley. Lauren Worley, yeah. Um, that's true. See, yeah. we know people that know people. We could, yeah, we, could, we could broker some deal. So there's a there's a ghost ship in Cincinnati that was supposedly in the background of one of Madonna's videos. And uh, friend Ronnie Salerno told us about. Yeah, yeah I listened yeah, to that one. Jack Atherton that one. has mm-hmm. a uh, connection with Madonna before she was Madonna, apparently. Really? Yeah. Apparently. Oh, yeah. That was, that was my story. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but yeah. uh, I was actually I was playing golf with Rich Apuzo, rest his soul, good dude, about probably 10, 12 years ago. And I always heard the rumor that I always thought it was Rich Apuzo that hooked up with Madonna. And I was on the 18th hole, and I was like, man, you got to tell me that Madonna story. And he's like, what? He's like, no, that was Jack Atherton. Wow. So anyway, don't know Gee. if it's true. Just heard. <laughs> Nothing like that <laughs> ever happened to me. He yeah. left, he left town, so, uh, oh so we can... Release huh. that information there you go. again. Who and, knows? And but just it's just all yeah. No, no. It, it is. It, all <laughs> these things. That, I mean, all this is what we all need to know, right? All of our children children need to know. If you if you work hard and make the best book you can make, or make the whatever you know, it can be seen, especially in today's global world. Nobody knows. Yeah. And it's not that much of a leap. When you think about it now, uh-huh. you work with Madonna. Bono's not that much of a leap from Madonna. Is that uh, a leap? No, or, or yeah. Bruce, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, with I mean. the internet, I mean, man. I know lawyers look at our website in a matter of seconds. Yeah. It seems like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> matter of seconds. But I'm not looking for uh, 
a celebrity project or some kind of yeah, yeah, but if, thing. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah. But if you got your own thing going, someone yeah. says, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Are there any other themes? You know, from you know your, your childhood and whatnot, but like when kids, when like when my kids grow up, like what are they going to think as nostalgia, or mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking how how to kind of yeah. transcend the next or connect with the next generation. Well, in, in some ways, yeah. Like, and that's the fun thing about children's literature. When I left the broad-based world of illustration, I had an an illustration rep that was very high-profile, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, you know, very successful New York agent, New York rep. And he said to me, you're making the big, biggest mistake of your, of your career focusing on children's publishing. And I said, he, he said, how could you only do art for kids? And I just remember thinking, I think that's going to make me happy, not unhappy. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, essentially I'm saying I'm dedicating my life to children's art to children to you know and i and then i i responded to myself by saying there are a lot worse things you could do with one's life's work than focus on children's work yeah you know so so for me i don't cons- i i've never been one to to judge too much what kind like oh i'm this urban hip artist how could i only do it for children i'm all about creating and making and it's the most freedom i've ever had as an artist and and the cool thing is you can do projects that have some meaning like like the book love i didn't write but it's written by brooklyn writer matt de la pena who in our field is very famous and very well known but um he won a newberry medal for a book called last stop on market street this book has wonderful themes and wonderful messages and you can tell I did a little bit different art style on that. And like Buddy Holly says in the Buddy Holly story, they won't always be kids. Yes. In other words, <laughs> these kids are going to grow up and they're going to, oh, I read yeah. Otis when I was a kid. Like I read my daughter, yeah. um, the Harry the Dirty Dog. Harry the that's Dirty Dog. That's a dog, dog. from the oh. 50s. And that's, right? a, that's a book you probably read when you were little. Exactly. That's why. And then so my daughter yeah. bought me a Harry the Dirty Dog t-shirt for Christmas one year. Oh, that's cause, great. Because we love that book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, see, so, so that's, that's actually... The, the essence of what I'm sort of yeah. doing with my life. I mean, like that's a really neat story you just told of your, that book is a, is a tangible connection you have with your daughter Yep. and she'll never forget it mm-hmm. and you'll never forget it. So that's why young parents, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them about, you know, read with your kids 15 minutes a day. And it not only develops them and not only nurtures their ability to learn and all those scientific benefits, but moreover, you're giving them this safe harbor that when they're 45 and struggling and they're away from you or whatever, or 35 or 25, they'll be like, you remember Dirty, the Dirty Dog, Dirty, Harry the Dirty Dog. And, 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 and they'll have that feeling of connection to you and they could be in their 50s, 60s, 70s and remember that. Yeah. I mean, right now, my kids, of course, they're all on their tablets and TikTok and YouTube. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, lose themselves in whatever content they're watching. And then all of a sudden, you know, Momo pops up or, uh, you know, some advertisement for the new It movie coming out. Yeah. And then with children's books, you don't get that. There's no, uh, you're not interrupted by all that. Yes. BS. It's a, it's a very interesting little thing as technology advances and 
the the Pixar and Disney movies and animation goes crazy, hyper amazing. People still connect with a four-year-old on their lap or a group of, I mean, could you imagine a librarian or a teacher reading to 30 kids, one picture book in the front? And you would think in today's world that wouldn't fly, you know, because they've got these tablets and all this moving. They yeah. S- it, talk to a, to a first grade teacher or a librarian. They can still captivate a group of kids. There's something about it. And especially if you're a, a young or you're a parent or grandparent or a, a father, mother, and you're sitting there with them like you were with, with Harry the Dirty Dog. And by the way, that's a great book. Right? Recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend it. i to look it, it up. It I rem- is. Oh, yeah. is the movie I, better? I uh, recommend it next to Otis the Tractor. Uh, <laughs> no, the, with my other daughter, there's one I uh, always love called Sammy the Seal. It's from the same era. It's from the 50s. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if it was a famous book or not. It was one we ended up with from my wife's book collection from when she was little. Yeah. But the uh, it's about the seal. That goes out for the day from the zoo. They let him out. They go look around New York City, and the best scene in the whole thing is when, the, at the end of the day, he realizes he has to go back to the zoo. So he hops in a cab, and there's an illustration of him sitting in the back of a cab. Yes. And a seal sitting in the back of the cab kills me every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it cracks me up. Yeah, it's <laughs> driving back to the zoo. Right, right. <laughs> Leave me off at the front, driver. Right, in Uber. So you are yeah. doing you. You know, when I'm making this art, I am doing it for the the four-year-old but i am also obviously keeping in mind the parents you know yeah yeah um yeah because you can like this artwork here in the barack obama book even here that's great mm -hmm. you know drawing with jackie robinson and einstein things like yeah so you can you can engage with that if you're telling the story to the kids yeah well what you just said sammy the seal is a different type of it's more of an otis type book than, for example you know these the, the more conventional illustrations in in Barack Obama's book of the I seen. Yeah. And even in love. These are deeper themes. So I, I recently did sort of a fun book. Well, this is a, a Margaret Wise Brown book. Um, good day, good night. But this this is a a, song, a folk song that my called uh, There's a Hole in the Log on the Bottom of the Lake that my my mother or my, my wife's father sang to her growing up so oh, wow. it's one of those little story connections yeah it, it goes to the tune of some people know it as hole in the bottom of the sea so it's just a silly tongue twister that you speed up as you go through and my father-in-law sang it there's a hole in the log in the bottom of the lake and it's repetitive so i just made it into a book changed the ending abbreviated it because it had to fit into the format of a book and uh it's been a lot of fun that the the um Simple chords are in the back of the book. Oh. And. Oh, nice. I uh, play it on the ukulele sometimes for kids, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, man, you're going on tour then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, there a, is there a book bookstore tour? Like, is that. Oh, yeah. You know, I see people. I mean, yeah. I know signings and whatnot, but. Yeah, if oh, you yeah. got something to interact with, with the kids no. and play. Uh, yeah, so I'm very fortunate to be toured for most of my books, and um, it's usually. It's not as glamorous as it sounds, but we'll go, we'll go like for most of my life. Like, oh gosh, not another book tour. Yeah. I'll be gone for like three weeks sometimes or, um, two week tours and maybe eight cities. And, and the, the children's illustrator author tour is designated. It's, it starts in publicity in New York, but it goes through accounts, bookstores in usually independent bookstores that report to the New York times. Like, for example, here in Cincinnati, we have the Blue Manatee 
We have Joseph Beth. So I've toured through both of those stores here in Cincinnati, of course, but stores like that in St. Louis and Wichita, Kansas, out in San Francisco, wow. down in Miami, up east Boston, and Chicago is always through. But um, those strong independent bookstores. So I, I really feel like in the in Cincinnati area, we have Blue Manatee, who's now, now under new ownership. They're yeah, they Oakley. brought it back, right? Or yeah, they brought it yet? back, and they're doing an amazing thing where they're funding their, their every book you you buy in the Blue Manatee bookstore. They donate a, another book to underprivileged neighborhoods in Cincinnati, nice. so they have a foundation. But then you've got like the Blue Marble in uh, Fort Thomas, amazing ill, uh, independent children's bookstore, and then you have Joseph Beth, which is which is a real gem for our our city. They have a location in Alexandria. They also are down in Lexington, Kentucky. And it's just a, I mean, if, if you took those stores away, it would be so, it, Cincinnati would have a different flavor, a different yeah. feel. I mean, and they bring, they bring authors and illustrators like myself, although I live here, through here for children. But also, you know, I mean, I mean Joseph Beth has had Bruce Springsteen, you know, yeah. tour through there. That's where I met the great author, uh, Jerry Springer. There you go. <laughs> for his yeah. book, uh, The, the Ringmaster. And uh, yeah. what was that, probably 99? Yeah. Waited in line. and uh... Yeah. yeah. So we want to that support those when we can. If you can't, if you could, yeah. you know, who, who can tell anybody where they should buy their stuff and how they should buy it? But if you can, buy it at a, one of our independent bookstores. There's a great one in Madeira called The Bookshelf. Friends of mine, and um, they're... Uh, couple blocks from my house and they're, oh, they're so your great. stuff's always in stock there my stuff's always in stock there <laughs> at the bookshelf in madeira we'll have to um, check it out and i hope i'm not missing any other bookstores but big friend uh those independent bookstores are real those booksellers are are um important to me you know oh totally yeah i mean with amazon you know knocking down everybody's door to yeah. take them out of business these days yeah. I mean, that, and, and Amazon started out by selling books, right? Isn't that the first thing yes. that they, yep. yeah, yeah. So. they sold? Yeah. So, they, yeah, that, that was on their radar from the start. What about animation? Well, we, we have a... Uh, Gosh, you create these scenes, and I'm yeah. like, man, I just want them to move. I want those fish to... Yeah. And, you know, you got the, the skies and the, the all these across that field, man. crazy yeah. landscapes. I mean, that so, seems like a no-brainer. And with the technology, yeah. it's like... I, I've thought about getting into animation, but I love doing the book. And I had a friend who worked on... Um, and a lot of, a lot of animators seem to be coming from the field of animation to children's literature. And I think it's because, unless you're a top dog um designing the chief character like um a lot of us illustrators know a, a guy named peter DeSev. you may have heard of him he lives up in brooklyn but he designed like the main character for ice age and you know and i i consider him a friend he and his wife his wife randall wrote toy boat which is a book i illustrated and i mean these these people are just so amazing and, and peter is like one of the best for sure but if unless you're designing the main character of say robot or ice age or, or you know yeah like yeah, i had I that leaf falling I, I had another friend who worked a good like 13 months on uh, monsters inc and it was a good good payday for him for that year but it was just a good salary and 
he worked the entire 13 months on about a four minute clip in the movie when the guy, when the, when the monster goes into the conveyor belt uh, behind the closet and goes through all, he worked for 13 months on just four minutes of that. Wow. But if he comes to picture books, his name is like the only name on the cover, you know, and it's a different type of, it's a different type of connection. You know, there's three people that work on this book, me, an editor and an art director. And then, then it goes to publicity, marketing, um, uh, sales teams and, you know, and then in marketing, there's two divisions. It's, it's uh, commercial marketing and, and library market. And school and library market and so it's a big business but there's three people basically putting their fingerprints all over this and the editor's name's deep in the back the art director sometimes never on there so it's it became a really meaningful uh, i don't know experience for me i do a, a picture for time magazine and it's and it's gone the next week you know yeah so when you wrap up a book, is it sad then because you're not emailing the same three people every or two other people every day? Or, that, that's a good like the end of a movie set where you're like, yeah. all right, guys. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but you know that they're they're uh, they're up in they're up in New York, so my relationship with them and they're working with twenty other people like you. At the they're same working time. with twenty other people like me, and it's very special and it's meaningful. But I mean, there there could be a week where I talk to them every day. Or, and then there'll be three months where I don't talk to him at all. So it's a very isolated um, sort of work that I do. Yeah. You know? So. And well, I think I think Netflix needs to call you because Disney Plus is going to take them out of business. Everybody's saying they yeah. need to they need to fund an animated cartoon yeah. for uh, for Otis. Must make Otis oh, yeah. the big character. There you go. Well, and there I you could, go. Like I will say, then you would get that satisfaction. Yeah. That's when you've made it. <laughs> I, I will. I, I will say, and maybe I'll maybe I'll come back someday. But um, that there is a project in the works with Otis. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, yeah, it's a no-brainer. All and, right. Uh, so I'm, but that I'm not really supposed to talk much about nope, it and specifics and all that. If it's Netflix, they you know, I, yeah. I'm about to get yeah. a cut of that. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's but it's awesome. But that's another thing that 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 would have sounded like a pipe dream to me years ago, and. And even when the book was um, optioned, it was still a pipe dream. So many things are optioned for, for television or, or, or for the film and never happened. But, you know, it's like slowly and surely something's happening. Yeah. yeah. So We talked to the zoo and they keep talking about Fiona's getting book deals left and right still. Yeah. yeah. You got any Fiona stuff in the pipe? No. Other than my, my connection with graders there. We we uh, we talked um, uh, briefly about me being involved in a book with Fiona and I, I love the zoo people they're great and um, love the Cincinnati Zoo and it didn't work out with my timing so um, I was out I was I had I had my books lined up for the next couple of years and yeah. they had a oh, at yeah, the time be all grown up yeah they had a they had a let's get right to we need to get to publication. But there's some really wonderful Fiona stuff out there. And I just did uh, a, a designed a bowl with Rookwood, um, Rookwood Pottery. Oh, yeah. And graders. And uh, these are just fun things for me to do, kind of like in my own backyard, so to speak. Cool. Um, well, glad you can still have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it looks like you're having a ton of it. Yeah. 
man, just like that. I think we're about. I know, right? Yeah. About out of time. So uh, we can find you. Where can people look you up and find more about Lauren Long? So on Instagram. L-O-R-E-N. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, the Twitter. Lauren Long. Yeah, my, my son set that account up for me. And apparently there was another uh, some other Lauren Long. Yeah, there's a Lauren so. Long with one post. Yeah. But so, you're the Lauren Long. I'm at the Lauren Long. And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Lauren Long and Facebook. Uh, I have a couple of, you know, Facebook pages. So friend me, like me, follow me. <laughs> Do all that. And, uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a 2020, I've got a pic, picture book coming out. That's a Christmas book, the night before Christmas with a, but it's not your father's night before Christmas, Uh oh. but it's written by Clement Seymour and hmm. I've illustrated it and working on, uh, more books. It's like, Doritos. I'm gonna. If you keep eating them all, keep making. Yeah. Them. <laughs> hey, I'm seeing on your Instagram. So, the, so the love book was also uh, released in Spanish. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Amor. Amor. Yeah. Is that is that yeah. Spanish? Amor. <laughs> Amor. So what? French, but spelled differently. Well, whatever. Either way, it's a different no, no, language. It, there'd be you if it was French. So does that? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That, that's why we oui. pay Piet the big bucks. We 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 we. The yeah. Uh, so so you're like man that that. That opens up a whole, mm-hmm. you know, more another channel of sales. Yeah. Like, Come on, publisher, let's do this in Portuguese. Yeah, a lot of the books, like Otis, is in Spanish and and uh, you know a bunch of different languages. It has nothing to do with my efforts, but you know, yeah. Um, do do other books sell better in other languages than English? I suppose so. I don't know if any of mine. Do. That'd be interesting yeah. to see if uh, it's like, man, yeah, this. Those kids in Guatemala are digging this, but those Americans just don't. Yeah, I don't know. That would be interesting. No, no, that that certainly can be the case at times. I'm not sure about how it is for picture books, but um, and again, that's that's the benefit of publishing with um, you know, a lot of people are self-publishing these days. There's just not as many opportunities that I you know I'm, I wouldn't discourage people from doing that necessarily, but um, you're just not going to get the distribution. The uh, marketing and publicity that you get with a publisher, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, do you think we could go that route though? If I was like, oh, I got this idea, I'm just going to go to mm-hmm. Vista Print and get you, ten copies, you, and you, go take them to the Blue Manatee and you, wait yeah, for somebody you, to come in. And you could. I mean, this. <laughs> I, I know we, we've. I know we've gone a long time here, but the, but the my advice for people that want to publish that don't have anything published is do it the. Uh, uh, I would, I would, uh, the two important people for you to, to find, to show your, either your story or your, um, or your art are an editor or, um, an art director at a publisher. Now, those people are sometimes hard to reach. So I would also consider getting an agent starting out. Like if, if right you want to publish, yeah, right out of Damn. the gate. Yeah, find an I'm agent. I'm just a dad in Taylor Mill. No, you no. An agent? Yeah, I'm just a dad in uh, Madeira, <laughs> of all places. But, um, yeah, get an agent, a literary agent. You can find them anywhere. Go on Twitter and, and look at your favorite authors and illustrators and follow them and go on their website and under contact, see who their agent is. And and if you like their spam work, spam the hell out of them. Yeah, send <laughs> blow up their yeah, agents are agents are always looking for new stories and new talent, um, new art. And the the thing about that is they know all the publishers, 
and you could you could be submitting to penguin you know group and all those imprints and it'll it could be in a slush pile forever unless you have specific editors names you know which you can find it's not it's not it's all there yeah i have some tips on my website for publishing i think it's under like an faq on my website laurenlong.com um if people are interested that's awesome give away your secrets yeah, oh no, it's not a secret. You can, hey, my my agent's listed on my website under contact. Send your stuff to him. <laughs> yeah. Man, I wish I still had time to paint. Yeah. Uh, I beat myself up every day. It's anyway. hard. So yeah, so at the end of every episode, we give out or we allow our guests to uh, give us a code. I've been thinking about this long and hard. What's yeah. your uh, What's your code going to be? This promo code will be used on CincyShirts.com as well as uh, our stores. You can just say this code and get 20% off your whole order. How fun is that? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I have to go with Otis. Otis. Yeah. There you go. O-T-I-S. Let's keep it simple. There you go. Yep. <laughs> and be looking out for Otis uh, in the future doing crazy Nothing. stuff. Yeah. 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 Lauren Long, we're, uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, man, this is a Great conversation. I know it took us a little bit to get uh, get you on the schedule, but I think it was long worth the wait. Yeah, good. I, I hope, hope so. Everybody uh, enjoys it. And check out our blog. We'll post pictures yep. of uh, some of the books he brought in. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys some other time. Pretty neat, eh? You never just know who is in the tri-state doing really neat stuff, do you? This is someone that uh, Darren knew. I didn't realize that this guy was around. It's super cool. Doing stuff for Barack Obama and Madonna and doing his own thing. Really cool. And don't forget to visit this week's sponsor, Blue Manatee. They are located in the beautiful Oakley neighborhood of Cincinnati at 3094 Madison Road, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45209. If you need that for your GPS, or you can find them at bluemanatee.org. Do check them out. So if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com, put podcast guest in the subject line, maybe tell us a little bit about the person and why you think they'd be a good guest, and then we'll try to track that person down, get them on the show. You can use that same email address to donate to the show via PayPal or Venmo, of course, and be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. And as always, if you haven't already, go back and plunder those Cincy Shirts archives for all kinds of great episodes, uh, the famous, the not famous, but everybody doing something cool and connected in some way to Cincinnati and uh, celebrating this great town and region. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, old bars, restaurants, shopping malls, that sort of thing. Kind of like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And the promo code again for this episode is Otis, all lowercase, all uppercase. You can mix and match lower and uppercase, it doesn't matter. Use that to take 20% off your entire cincyshirts.com or oldschoolshirts.com order. You can use that code in your physical or brick-and-mortar stores as well. Those would be in Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get your podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye! Cincinnati, you stole my heart.
I said goodbye